Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you, everyone. I was questioned, as I often am, in this last week, as to what is the uniqueness of this ministry, this message that we are sharing every week. People recognize that this is the gospel indeed, but that it is kind of different to what they've heard before. And there's only one simple answer, and that is we begin with asking the question, who is God? Who has God revealed himself to be? And thereafter everything falls into place if i don't begin with that self-revelation of god that he gives to us regarding himself that he gave to us in the lord jesus christ then i am i'm i'm open to any possibility of what the gospel means and that comes to us very succinctly in the writings of john the apostle John was unquestionably the closest disciple to Jesus and he tells us in his fourth chapter of his first letter in verse 16 and we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us and actually that word for could maybe better be translated as in for the the love which god has in us god is love and the one who abides in love abides in god and god abides in him and when that question was asked me one more time i realized that it has been some time since I told you there in this audience that spans the globe, uh, what, what is this uniqueness? What is the foundation of the good news, the goodest news you've ever heard? And it comes down, I say, to the self-revelation, that is the revelation that God gave of himself, gave it in and through Jesus And John, the closest disciple, summed that entire revelation up in three words. God is love. And so, there's your foundation of the gospel. There's the answer to my question. Who who is God? What is God like? For it is out of this God that there flows... The revelation we call the good news, the gospel. I have to ask this, you see, because the word God, increasingly, though it's never really meant anything, not really, uh, it gives me a higher being, um, all-powerful one, 
Um, and, and so when one says, I believe in God, especially in these days in which we live, I have to say, which God are you talking about? Christians believe in God as he has been revealed in and to and through Jesus Christ, who is Son of God, God the Son. Now, if we are wrong here, if we come up with some definition of God that is other than that which has come to us in and through Jesus, we are wrong and we are increasingly off course. You know what I mean. If, if you start off with, with maybe half an inch off, well, ten miles down the road that has grown considerably and you're way off. Um, send the rocket to the moon and it's got to be right on because the slightest offness it will miss the target or simply in, in your morning putting on your shirt if you don't get the first button in the first hole the whole shirt's off whack and so that's what we're saying here is the foundation of the gospel understand this and then everything will fall into its place and a lot of what we have been taught maybe in the past will fall off and away so here it is here is the revelation God is love and we who are believers Christians we order our lives we define our hope we discover our strength and our power in these words. God is love. Now, um, let, let's understand right away. Um, God is love. Think about this very carefully, not quickly. Um, humans could not invent that definition of God. Think about that. We say it so quickly, God is love. But stand back and think a while. If humans are going to invent a God, if that were the way it was, if as some persons accuse that, that God is merely the projection of the human mind, well, the human mind wouldn't come up with this. In fact, over the centuries and aeons, humans have tried to invent what God might be like and they come up with essentially a God of anger a God who actually despises us who is absorbed in his own high and lifted up and mighty self um, a God who is as fickle and as unreliable as any human being a God who is governed by lust and any love he might be assigned to such a God is a lustful, whatever you call it. Um, this is what humankind has come up with. And over the generations that has been sophisticated from the Greek and Roman gods, it now comes right into our own uh, day where, where God is portrayed with vehemence as a God of anger, a God who is eager to punish, a God who is eager to find fault, and, and a God who really doesn't like you. He's remote in the heavens 
And uh, then, of course, you get really confused because you think Jesus does like you and the Father does. It, it gets uh, such an unholy mess. Let's come back to the beginning, not to a God we're trying to invent. Let us stand in absolute wonder and awe before a God that baffles our mind, that challenges our wildest imagination. God is love. And, of course, um, the fact it begins there, God is love, it doesn't begin with us. Think about that. Um, It doesn't begin with us. It begins with who God is, with emphasis on the is. For when it says God is love, Love, that's final. That's who he is. It's speaking of his very being. The being of God is love. It's the essence of God. Love is not something that he merely might do on some odd occasion. Love is not something that just crops up w- without any rhyme or reason to it, that he, he, he did something good and nice, and then we steal ourselves because the next round he might do something bad and ugly. No, is, God is love, tells me that his essence, the very being of God, is love, is love. And that is where everything begins. That's the first button in the hole, you see. That's getting something right on target. God is love. It's all about who he is. And if you've just tuned in in the last number of days to these programs, you will find that's where we always begin. Whichever way the message might go, we have to come back to that. That's foundational to the gospel. It's about who he is. It's not about who we are. Nor then is it about who we ought to be. Then it's not about who we're trying to become with religious anxiety. That means that this message is not about wailing before God about our wretchedness and unholiness and um, begging mercy and pity. And No, it's not about those things. It, it is a statement that stops us in our tracks. And all we can do is just look at it with awe and wonder. God is love. That's where it all begins. It begins with who he is, not who you are or trying to be. God is love. And if he is it, then uh, think about this. I cannot do anything to make him love me. Think about that. I, you, we cannot do anything to make him love us because he is love. Before I was born, and when I took my first breath and made my first cry, I was confronting a God who had unbeginningly loved me. I can't do anything to make him love me because he loves me without limit already. But of course, I can't do anything to stop him loving me. Now this is getting very... 
um, fearful to many uh, persons because they really thought that our little pipsqueak lives can change who God is. That, that God is love, but of course then if, if we act in a certain way or do not act in a certain way, then God will stop loving us. Our little tiny actions can actually change the being of God and his attitude toward us. Who do you think you're dealing with? Just a big human? I, no. God doesn't change with all the whims and twists and turns of our life. God is love. And he is love because he's love, not because you're good. He's love because he is love. That's who he is. He's not love because of anything you've done or promised to do. God isn't love because you somehow influenced him to feel warm toward you. God is love because God is love. It's the way he is. And he loves you because of the way he is, not because of who you are or hope to be. See? You say, well, I don't believe that. That's tough. I, I give you the right not to believe it. That's okay. But you can't change God. Just because you don't believe he's love does not mean he acquiesces and says, well, shucks, if you don't believe it, then I can't be love. No, of course not. You don't believe it. It's beside the point. He still loves you with an unbegun and endless, passionate, holy love. It's God. It's who God is. And I, I, I say that um, it's not about then who we are or ought to be. It's not about us making promises. It's, it's not even about our commitments. It's about our standing face to face with a God who simply declares that in relation to us and his creation, he is love. Now, what are you going to do about that? You see, that's what it's saying. God is love. And I, I don't want to push words, but it, it is actually the whole scripture behind it. God is love. It, it's, it's not speaking in terms of a was God. And whether one might think that's stupid just to say it now, but in conversation one hears that all the time, that in days past God did, in days past God was and so everything that you think is wonderful about God is in the past tense. He did. He was. And so if you want to go back to the Bible, well, that's a long time ago, and God was. And many times you go back 20, 30, 40 years in your own experience, and God was. But he's always is. He's always is. He is love. There's never a time when that fluctuates, you see. It's never a was, never a will be. And that, of course, is the very oxygen of religion that after you do this, when you do that, if you accomplish that, then you will discover, then God would be love. If you, if you do so many things to tell God how sorry you are, beat yourself up, uh, for a suitable amount of time, then God will be to you love. But it's always in the future. 
No, 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 a million times no, God is love. And that is echoed all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible when Moses asked of the name, the person of God, and he said his name was I Am, which without getting into what all that means, it means, if it means nothing else, it means that God is always present. He is always now, and the fullness of who he is is in this present micro-moment in which I'm saying these words. He is the I Am says he is love that is um, hard for us to think in fact of course we, we as humans can't think you can't fit the definition of God into our human definitions God is love that wherever I meet God under whatever occasion I meet him he is love There is no other God to meet. There is no other side to God. He's not like the moon with a dark side. He's all light. You see all there is to see of God. He is love. And and that means that he's not moody. I, I, I was in a certain city at one time and I saw a bunch of persons, very sincere, took them a lot of guts to do it actually but their sign that they held high was God is in a good mood today I suppose it could attract attention um, but God is not in a good mood today God is who God is and God is always limitlessly unbeginningly love that's who he is He's not fickle. He does not say one thing mean another. He doesn't say one thing and then say, well, there's an expiration date on the promise. He's love, always unchanging. And every moment, all that God is, God always is. Or to put it like this, as I often have, God doesn't have any love. No, I mean that. God doesn't have any love because he is love. And therein is the vast difference. Anything you have is capable of increase or decrease. Actually, if you have it, you're never quite sure how much you have. But when I speak of is, we've moved into a totally different realm where those categories don't count. You see, if if I... My illustration that I've often given, I'm sure you've heard, uh, you know, if you have a glass of water, that glass of water can be rapidly decreased. It can actually be emptied. Or if I feel that it's not enough, then I better fill it up. And, And so up and down goes my container of water. I have it. But if I now say I am water... Well, no, that, that's got nothing to do with increase or decrease. That's another category. I am it. That's it, you see. I am. He, he doesn't have love. He is it. God is love. God is love. And let, let me say one more thing about the is. God is love. And if he doesn't have... You see, you're moving out here in terms of origin. Please hear me carefully. In terms of the origin, 
this this love of whom we speak for if God is love then love is the very person of God but in terms of that person of God his love begins arises from a commitment a total giving of oneself away to another love in terms of a commitment that is his love does not arise from emotion and feeling which could then be subject to change emotion can cool feelings can reverse no this that we're speaking of this love we're talking about cannot arise from any other than the commitment or the intention the heart purpose the deliberate choice of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit it means that it isn't he loves me because he's feeling really good about me today and I did that good thing to that person yesterday and, and so he's really he's, he's smiling at me today um, no his love has nothing to do with what I do or don't do it arises from his intention it's an is love not a feeling love but having said that I've been emphasizing it originates in God's is intention but that love which originates there is filled with passion emotion and feeling and so we read in the scripture of God who sings over us for joy it speaks of him delighting in us as a groom over his bride it speaks of God even dancing God feels his love it speaks of him as weeping over us and when we would absolutely deny his love he never ceases to love but in scripture when Jesus revealed the heart of God he wept with great convulsive sobs over the people of Jerusalem who refused to recognize him oh yes God's committed love is emotional it's it's we try to see this in a liturgical wedding service in that see a wedding service I mean the liturgical where the wedding is blessed by the triune God um, that we, we do everything in, in our power with words to move you away from emotion and feeling because we've come to the bottom line here and so I take this man and this woman and I have them look at each other and say will you take this man will you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife and then we, we really make it sound bad I mean in good times and bad times or better for worse in sickness and health for richer for poorer that is whatever happens whatever thing you might face where feelings would, would come against this union are you ready to make a commitment 
and call upon the God who is love to strengthen you in that commitment to love this person at all times, under all circumstances. And having addressed them, we now come say, okay, if you, if you will do that, then you're going to say so. And you're going to say so before God and before man, and you're going to call upon him for his blessing, because you know by yourself you can't do it. And so they say it, they name, I take you to be my lawfully wedded wife, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I'm going to be, and we say, so help me God. You see, today we live in a society where we say, well, it's only a piece of paper. I know I'm not married. I'm not married. We just live together. It's got nothing to do with a piece of paper. I, I, I don't call marriage what the government says. I don't care what happens in the civil court. It has nothing to do with me. That's government stuff. That's, that's a marriage certificate. I'm only concerned with you standing before God and witnesses and declaring, calling upon God for his aid that you will love this man, this woman through every kind of twist and turn of life until death do you part. And so you swear the oath of covenant before God. That's a Christian wedding. I, don't, I say again, I don't care about the civil side of it. You can get that down there with the judge. It, it's what we do before the presence of God. And that is but just, it's a shadow. It's a fleeting shadow of this love. We are declaring this is the only love. And I can't live with you just because I feel good about you today because God knows within six months I probably won't and I walk out and I have no responsibility. You see, it's, it's just all feeling, emotion, gooey, romantic, sheep eyes, candles, violins. No, it doesn't count. It's not love. Love is in a commitment and it begins with God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit giving themselves unto death. Only they put in and resurrection. God gave himself to us. A committed love of will and intention. But it's a love that's filled with all the passion and emotion of love. So you see, he cannot give up on us. In the Old Testament, the emphasis on his love is covenant, which is really just what I've been saying. I should have said that first. Uh, what we do in a Christian wedding is enter a covenant. And, and a covenant is that sworn intention. It's made with the shedding of blood, which is the declaration, I will love you, I will be for you, I give myself to you, even if it kills me to do it until death doers part God swore on his own being says the book of Hebrews he swore by his being that he would give himself to us and he said seeing that the case if he swore on his being and he broke his word then God would cease to be huh that's something no can you enter into that I will never leave you nor forsake you he cannot and it's his will, it's his determination. 
It's his intention that he cannot leave you or forsake you. He cannot. He has sworn an oath on his own being to be there, love to you, in you, to the ages of ages. That, that, that's who he is. You see, the word used for love here, God is love. We can't do this in English. In English, we just had the one word, love, and quite frankly, it's perfectly useless because we use it for so many different things, all the way from loving ice cream and dogs to moving in with one another without any commitment and calling it love, all the way through to the highest forms of, of love. We, we can't do it in English. But in the Greek language of the New Testament, there's more than one word for love. And this word is, the Greek is agape. And agape, what is agape? The Bible itself fills agape with its meaning. It, it defines it. It is the limitless, the infinite desire of Father and Son and Holy Spirit their deliberate intention to unite with us. That is, you could say, agape is, is the very being of God unrelentingly reaching out to embrace us and draw us into himself. That is love, the infinite desire for union, that we might share his life so that in fact we would enter into the same kind of relationship that the Holy Trinity has. For it says that the Father, God the Father, is in Christ. God the Son, he's in him. And therefore the very life of the Son is derived of the Father. And, and the, fa the Son is in the Father. And so the Father is upheld by, by the Son. And, and Father and Son in the Spirit. The Spirit in them. The Word is in, in, in. And, and, and so in each can walk around within the other. Each has total access to the other. Each lives by the other. So much so, the three are one. But the wonder of the gospel is, the Father sends God the Son to get in to human flesh, blood, human, per human character, me. And in us, He carries us with all our brokenness and sinfulness. He carries us to death. And he raises us and then he announces it. That, that he is in us and we are in him. And in him we are in the Father. We, we have been brought into the very beating pulse of love. Which is the very source of all creation and all life. That's what Jesus came to do. Draw us right into his love. This is... In fact, in John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. D did you hear that? You've heard it too many times. You didn't hear it. For God so loved the world that 
So he is saying, God so loved. Then as if pausing, he's saying, I'll show you how much he loves. I'll show you the character of his love. I'll define his love. So loved the world that this is this he gave his only begotten son god gave god into the human race to embrace us and bring us into the heart of god that we might live there abide there while we're walking around our kitchen and doing our work in the factory we would live in him you could say once once god gave god once god gave god the son and jesus is God among us and then God took to himself our brokenness and failures and sins and hostility he made himself our sin and then went to death with it and death died with Jesus huh I wouldn't you say if God gave God to that extent that his mind is made up about you? I mean, isn't it time to stop all the weeping, wailing, and saying I'm unworthy and no good, and just settle for God's made up his mind about you, and he loves you with an unrelenting, passionate, desiring love that would go to death itself to embrace you into him. And that's the gospel, that God did that, you see. Said. And, and that you'll find on every page of the New Testament that that this God has so desired to bring you into such a union with himself that there is no end, no limit to which he will go to put down that which would seek to separate you from him and from his purpose. And so he brought us into himself. And from there on, the whole New Testament revolves around the one phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. That is, you are inside him. And he's inside of you. You, you couldn't get any closer. You know, you, you are never demeaned. You're never diminished. You are fully you. In fact, you're the fullest you you've ever been because he's dealt with your sin and all the craziness of life. Put that to death so that you might arise to be your truest self. You, you are your full, full self. And he is his own glorious, ascended, triumphant self. And he's in you through the Holy Spirit. So you are in him and he's in you. You are fully yourself and he's fully himself and yet you dwell inside of each other. Think about this for six weeks. <laughs> this is, you're in Christ. Right now as I sit here, this office and what I'm doing and saying and thinking I am inside Jesus and, and he is inside of me and while I'm speaking he's in you and you're inside of him and all this is taking place in the very heart of God the Father for Christ is in the Father the Father's in him and you're in him and or to put it this way there's no separation 
See, that is what came in with the fall. That's what Satan brought, separation. God's up there, over there, remote, you're here. And uh, because of what you've done, you can't go over there. And he hates you, so he won't come over here. Lies, 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 lies. Sin began with a religious lie. Because at that moment, at that moment that man fell at Satan's lie, religion was invented. Because religion is based on the lie that you're separated from God. And religion pompously says, I've got the answer. Here's the formula to get across to God lies God never left us he pursues us to the pit of death he never leaves us he'll go into the bottom of the ghetto he'll sit with you in the dirtiest bar and brothel he'll never quit his very being love reaches to embrace you and bring you to himself having overcome anything and any person that would separate you from him no separation no separation and yet in that no separation you never become him and he never becomes you and yet you and he are one Hmm. you could sum up this news of love love desires what this union I'm speaking of we would probably understand it a little bit better as relationship I, I know this can be upsetting this is you see you asked me what was different about this well we're hitting it now because obvious it's not about any rules there's no formula you don't learn rules you don't have a formula you don't have to pass an exam to see if you understood the rules this is relationship and we've all touched on relationship human to human touched on it anyway we sort of know what it is relationship begins in God begins in the relationship of Father and Son and Holy Spirit and the divine love intention to include us into that relationship. See, relationships begin with telling our story. And it depends how much we know the other person, how much we trust them as to what we tell. We, we begin to tell our story we begin just we, we, we open our heart just a little bit to, to let out some hidden part of our lives that we are afraid to tell others and then as trust grows so we open up more and we tell more of our story and the other person in relationship is, is telling their story and there comes a point where their story and our story sort of unite there comes the point where they are telling us what they see in us they're telling us how they see us and, and, and it reaches a chord inside no one's ever told us these things you see they've never told us what beautiful person we are no one's ever told us 
our worth and our value and here in relationship there comes the point where the one is telling the other of their beauty uh, of their wonderful person and and you can tell it when someone's in such a relationship and their face is glowing their eyes are that they're they're daring to trust they're daring to believe this person knows everything there is I've told my story and 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 this person has seen things in me that I've never seen and they've they've told me things of my beauty and my worth and my value that I, I've never dared to believe and I'm daring to believe it right now you know what I mean see this is the gospel Jesus came, couldn't come any closer, it became a human. God the Creator became one of His creatures. So He could look into our eyes and speak with our mouth and listen with our ears and feel with our feelings. He told us what the Father was really like. He told us this glorious God of love. He told His story. He told His story all the way to death. And he told us who we are. And we couldn't believe it because sin in its religion form had told us we're so worthless and ugly and no good. But Jesus said, you're as precious as a lost sheep. That's what I'm here for. He said, I've come to the wilderness, come to the bottom of the barrel to get you out. You're like a precious coin. We're not going to stop till we've found you. You're like a son that's gone to the pig pen and now I am the son of God come running to you to reveal to you who father really is it's a relationship we tell our story and that story goes on and on and on and on as we see more and more the heart of God and we dare to open ourselves up it's safe, it's safe, it's safe and we trust his forgiveness. We trust in his death that took us to death. We discover who he is. And we are discovered of his love. And we delight the one with the other. Yeah, I'm talking about normal Christians. You say, this is Christianity 101. This is why the New Testament, you open it, you hear the sounds of joy and dancing and laughter and song. You see, what, what do you do when you're confronted by a love that you cannot control? You see, that's the rub. Sin essentially said that mankind can control God. Mankind can live his life, he can control his own life without God. But here, I hope you've got a hold of this. You are confronted by a love that you cannot control. Isn't that upsetting? You can't control God. This destroys religion. Religion's out of business. Because their, their whole idea is that you messed up and so you control God now God can't love you because you did that and God can only start loving you when you've done whatever little formula thing that religion tells you and now, now that, that's 
That's suddenly out, you see. Now I stand before a God and I, I've, I've screwed up to the max, but he won't stop loving me. I can't control him. My actions do not control God. It's most upsetting, you see. I, I feel very small. I feel very creaturely that now I'm facing the Creator and I can't make him do what I think he should do can't control him and, and, and I bring my sack load of, of I did all these nice things and uh, people think I'm a jolly good fellow for doing them I hope this influences your thoughts about me but it doesn't no he says just leave them over there in the corner there you see because he's not influenced to feel good about you because you did something good he is that beyond your wildest imagination without any influence from you you're loved and and it begins with this sense of helplessness it's a sense of wonder because there's no I don't have a file for this Every, anything I know you I mean human love this this human love which sometimes touches this other kind of love but the human kind of love I mean, you're loved because you're lovable to somebody, um, and and you are given accolades and have a place of worth and value in society because you did something. And and when the man says to the woman, "You're beautiful," he he's referring to the way she looks or acts which is a passing transient thing of course but it's see actually when humans love the beloved has captured the lover you see it's because of that beauty that beauty catches hold of the love of the lover and draws it out you say, I, you know, I fell in love. And it does sound like an accident when you say it like that, you see. Because you didn't plan on it. It wasn't in your daily organizer. It didn't say at three o'clock this afternoon, you will fall in love. No, it just slapped you in the face like a wet codfish. You, you, you hadn't, it got you because the beauty, the, the, physical, mental, emotional, personality, beauty of a person reached out and kidnapped you and you were caught you, and you, did you fell into love. It was who the beloved is that influences and draws out the love of the lover. Well, it isn't like that with God. You can't influence God. You can't put on your best suit. You can't bring him a bunch of roses. You, you can't do any of that to influence him. He loves you. Before you even knew about him, he loved you. Before you could do anything, good or bad, he, he loved you. So you stand before him who is love. Not will be if, not used to be, but not now because. 
but the God who is. And he is love. And we don't understand it because we didn't earn it, we don't deserve it, and all the other stuff. But get used to it. Because that's the way it is. So what do I do? This is not just a jolly good idea. This isn't something we can shelve on a theological shelf and say, God is love. Isn't that wonderful? No, the text, it says, we have come to know and believe the love that God has in us. So so this is something that we become totally and beautifully and wonderfully entangled in. We become so aware and this relationship is in, we are in Christ and Christ is in the Father. So... This is, for now, this isn't something in in some future Disneyland heaven. No, this is now. This is why you're working in the factory. This is why you're in the office and corporation and home, kitchen, grocery store. We've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. All I can do, you see, All I can do when confronted with the is love is to trust. And I trust Jesus is the truth. I trust that he is God revealing God. And I trust that he who went to the pit of death to bring me to know this and know the Father, I trust him. I don't examine my trust. I I simply hear that word and I say, yes, I bring my being into line, yes. I trust, I trust that that is the way God is. And I trust indeed that he was revealed to us in Jesus. I, I trust that. And my trust continues to, I, I can rest easy in that. It never feels right to my human flesh. I feel I've got to do something. I've got to prove something to God. But I, I learn. I learn. I come to know by observation. I come to know by listening. I come to know. And I begin to rest easy in that. That is the way it is. That is the way the creation is. That is the way God is. I... I rest easy that I am beloved through nothing I have done, nothing I promised, uh, everything that he is and everything he's done. Or to put it this way, I accept my acceptance. Um, and I don't want to be picky because I, I know what people mean. But we, we've been taught, we've been taught to say, will you accept Christ? Well, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I really do. I really do. That's why I'm hesitating in even mentioning it. But you see, it's the way we think. And some of these phrases, they, they twist our brains so we don't think. See, the fact is this. In Jesus Christ coming in the incarnation certainly in his death and resurrection the news is he has accepted you see 
will you accept Christ? That's really off. The fact is, did you realize he's accepted you? He has. That's my mission. I've come to tell you the best news you've ever heard. He has forgiven you and he has accepted you into himself. Now the whole issue, if we're going to talk about questions, it's time for you to accept your acceptance. It's time for you to think of yourself as the Father thinks of you. Think of yourself as the way Jesus has declared you are. See, there's no struggle. You're not trying to prove something. You're not trying to become something you're not. You're not trying to deserve this. Be still. Hush, my child. Hush. You're accepted by love. Accept your acceptance and rest in this love that rests in his love for you that he said it's done, it's enough, it's finished and so we we learn to totally ignore fear actually if we'd have had time which we didn't and we don't but it goes on in after verse 16 he goes on to talk about this there is no fear in love and perfect love casts out all fear. And it's speaking. The whole thing he's speaking about, is says, we no longer fear judgment. That is, it's the person who doesn't know the love of God that is always terrified of some last judgment when God's going to forget who he is. And he says, perfect love casts out all fear. And the word there in the Greek language, casts out, it means to take a fellow by the scruff of his neck and throw him down a flight of stairs. It's a very violent word perfect love, this love which streams from God and, and, and it fills every part of our being and responds to him in thanks and praise and worship and mouth wide open awe. That casts out fear. How can you be afraid of that God? How can you be afraid of the God who has already assumed your humanity and died for you carried your sin in his own body on the cross how can you be afraid that he's suddenly going to forget that and bring up sin and start throwing judgment at you no perfect love he says cast out fear this is God there is no fear in God there's no worry there's no anxiety and in Matthew 6 it brings it up from a different angle how can you be afraid of what shall we where where are we going to eat what Is there going to be enough money to live? Are we going to starve to death? Are we going to become homeless? Oh, he says, oh, you have little faith. He says, don't you know your heavenly Father knows? And that word know is different to the others. It means has a complete and absolute final knowledge of the situation. Your heavenly Father He who is love, he who loves you to the end of ends. You think he's going to let you starve? Do you think he's going to let you be naked and homeless? Huh. No, you see, worry, fear, fear of tomorrow, fear of yesterday 
perfect love casts out all fear. And this love, I've said, is in us. For Jesus is love, the Holy Spirit is that love, and He's in us. And in us, it says, love one another as I have loved you. So we now become those who receive His love, receive His love. And in in full spectrum of gentleness and goodness and kindness and patience and all of it, we receive His love toward us. But then from He who dwells within us, we love one another. So that Paul says, I live, yet not I, it is Christ who lives in me. Produces a totally new attitude to life. He's with us. Of course He is. I, I trust I've established that. Or as ancient as Old Testament days, the Lord be with you. Reminding every person at every possible minute, He's with you. He's never left you, cannot leave you. And He's always with you for good. Always. So, then evil cannot triumph. In fact, He turns evil for good. So, here you are in a situation and you don't understand what's going on. You're confused. In fact, your feelings are going through a tsunami. So, what do I do? Try to stamp on my feelings. Stop feeling. I won't feel like that. No. Or do you scream out, God help me, God help me, hoping like a coast guard he'll see your SOS. No, how can that happen? Because you're in him and he's in you. So, in the middle of all of that that you pass through, you open yourself up to love. Knowing that even if I don't understand, I am beloved. Though I don't have a clue as to what is going on, love is making a pathway through this. You see, when you understand the love which God has for you, you do not ask, why did this happen to me? Why did you allow this? Because those questions would intimate. They have their beginnings in the possibility that you say you love me, but I don't know. If you love me, why does this... And so you placed yourself in in mental separation from him. You've said, yeah, you say you love me, but I don't think you're everything you're cracked up to be. Look at what's happening. Look what they did to me. Look what they said to me. If, if you love me, why does this happen? No, no, no. No, no. No, no. Come on. Snuggle back into the heart of God where you belong. He loves you. That's never the question. To the one who is so sure of that love, the question is, Father, you who love me, what are you up to right now? What is going on here? Can you share with me? Or is it too much for me to handle? If it is, I'll just keep snuggled in your love. What is it you are trying to show me of yourself? What beauty of your love 
are you showing to me and could not show me at any other time except in this situation what love do you want to reproduce in me that I can inject into this situation and love these people and love what is happening with your love how are you revealing yourself to me well that's it I, if I said any more we'd be off for another hour wouldn't we so again I say those who ask the question what is your difference you see you, 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 you're preaching the gospel but you sound different to XYZ yeah it's where we begin and then everything flows from there we begin with God is love and we end up with an incredible rest and peace that is beyond words, explanation and sometimes we just shake our heads and worship the Lord it's too big for words so I trust that this has answered your question this is who we are and now the blessing of God who is almighty love the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit triune love now bless you by opening your eyes to see and deeply discover all over afresh the love which he has for you that all fear, all fear of judgment, all fear of tragedy and terrors shall be swallowed by the vision of that love. And you shall walk with boldness in peace, sons and daughters of the Father. So I bless you this night. And I declare this is the way it is.